cliffcentral.com. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Books Unpegged with Super Lead. Consider this. Have you ever wanted to read more business and leadership books, but you simply just don't have the time? Imagine reading a book per week. How awesome will that be? A lot of us have demanding jobs and countless responsibilities. So our bookshelves, fantastic as they look, they end up with more books that, that we want to read than those that we have read. My name is Manda Chiflaro, CEO at Superlead, which is a strategy and which is a strategy consulting and leadership coaching organization. On this show, we dive into a leadership topic which we anchor on a book that we feature per week and we share actionable insights to advance your leadership excellence. I'm joined here on studio by my co-host Ngobile Ngobo, who's a director at Alpha International. Ngobile, welcome to today's show. Hi Manda, thank you for having me. It's exciting to be back again discussing another book. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, today we're talking about something that that's costly to organizations and yet there's such a simple answer to it. An answer is free. I mean costly because, you know, organizations spend enormous amount of time and money crafting strategy documents. And what happens to most of those? They languish in the top drawer. They languish in one of those folders, you know, like <laughs> there's those folders in the executive's computer, like there's one called Strategy 2021 and Strategy 2022. Um and some of them hardly ever see the the, the day uh, that day in the organization. Um, so we're talking today about how do you close that strategy, design, and execution mm. gap. Mm. That's really exciting. It's such an important aspect. We spend so much time pouring into what we want to achieve and how we feel we can achieve it. And so we all want to get to the point where we execute, where we see the the fruits of what we've poured into. So excited to dive into that. Excellent. But as you know, you know, we don't just move from one one show to another. We need to kind of do some recap. We want to make sure that this is working. Uh, so last week we did, um, we unpacked the advantage. Mm. I, I'm curious to know one or two takeaways and perhaps some of the things you considered doing this week. Yeah. So last week we did a great book by one of Manda's favorite authors, <laughs> <laughs> The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. It's about why organizational health trumps everything in business. Um, and I really like that he lays out that an organization doesn't become healthy in a linear, tidy fashion, that it's messy. It's a messy process. And so he lays out these four disciplines as a model. We spent a lot of time on the first discipline, building a cohesive leader. <laughs> Leadership team, uh, but then the other disciplines are creating clarity, over communicating clarity, and reinforcing clarity. <laughs> so you can see that Patrick loves clarity, <laughs> a man after my own heart. Um, so, but we, what stood out to me was really around the idea of teams making a choice to be a team. That yeah. that is work, but you start there. Yeah. Uh, that you need trust and vulnerability. That you need to have unfiltered. I love how he says regular yeah. unfiltered conflict. Yeah. That feels so opposite. <laughs> but really have that conflict and discuss important issues and then holding each other accountable. Oh, Learned a lot from Patrick. So yeah, that was a great book. No, lovely, lovely. So today, um, thinking about closing the strategy and exit strategy design and execution gap. We have a fantastic book for this. Mm. So we're doing Strategy That Works by Paul Leinwad and Cesar Maynardi. It's how winning companies close the strategy to execution gap. 
Excellent, excellent. And really what the authors are arguing um, in the book is that this gap between strategy and execution, it really is unnecessary mm. and, and, and very costly. Um, and some of this literally just flows out of misguided misconceptions. Mm, mm. Should we start there on what are the misconceptions when it comes to, you know, strategy design to execution? Absolutely. You know, so with these with these conversations, you know, we like to kind of, you know, handle the misconceptions out at least because they tend to to clear the way for us. So one of sort of those those like very well Crafted misconceptions and, and you know, it also rhymes and how people kind of talk about these things is that leaders kind of do strategy mm-hmm. and managers execute. Okay. Right. So, so already by way of roles, we are starting to sort of say, Oh, there's like senior leadership out there. They sit in this like fabulous air-conditioned rooms <laughs> away in the jungle and they just think strategy all day long, possibly smoking something as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then there's like managers yeah. uh, who are like doing the execution. Doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know how they kind of put it? It's like, you know, it's like sort of these leaders, these executives, mm. these, these guys with suits and, and, um, they tend to worry about doing the right thing uh, while they delegate the doing of things right to managers. Mm. That's, 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 I'm sure you probably have heard of this. Yeah, yeah. This idea that the, the decisions are made in one room and that it, then it's just go do, go yeah. do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the problem comes mm. because really best leaders and what we are trying to sort of one of the first things to kind of put on the table today is that the best leaders, they do both. Okay. They do both together. Mm-hmm. Because when you have these strategies that are largely outward focused, you know, like there's these guys who are like looking at the trends outside and like, you know, trying to figure these things out and then they craft these beautiful documents sometimes with the help of consultants and <laughs> is that a <laughs> everyone knows what there's, there's a bit of uh, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of confession <laughs> there <laughs> and then uh, and then you know like as consultants we leave right and then we kind of just say yeah of course managers execute what's wrong with mm. with this company we gave you the best perfect strategy mm-hmm. yeah and you know what happens to it right Stays in that top drawer for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And then we come back again next year. Yeah. And yeah. we craft another one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we look at other things and we craft the other one. Yeah. Um, and this whole time we are missing what is the core to designing an excellent strategy and executing. Mm. And that is Capabilities. Capabilities. Yeah. So, so when an organization understands its own capabilities and designs and, and strategy that's, that stems of what they're able to do mm-hmm. and their capacity and their capabilities, they tend to have a much better alignment. And the authors in the book talk about this idea that those organizations are coherent, are yes. coherent. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just 
just way too many organizations are incoherent. I don't know if you, yeah. if you've, if you've seen some of the sort of the strategies that are like, then you're like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are thinking strategy and the doing, then you have an understanding of how every person organization is going to be able to execute that. And uh, that leads to the coherence. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also some strategies. You're like, no, you guys shouldn't be going there. <laughs> like, given, given like what you're able to do, you shouldn't be aiming at that. It's just, it's just not coherent. It just, it like literally fails before it lands on the runway. You're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, you guys, whatever you smoked then, whatever you came up with in that, uh, out in, in faraway land as senior executives, it was never ever going to work yeah. because it never, Took in sort of what really truly differentiate us from a capability perspective, mm. and that that link is essentially uh, what makes that 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 helps the design and the execution come together beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it, most organizations don't like to study themselves, right? We spoke about this, I think, from the second episode already. Design a strategy or kind of aim at sort of success, but basing it on your own internal strength. Mm. So it seems there's this gap. We want to study everything else but ourselves. And so do organizations. Yeah. So what do we have around us? Who do we have? What are they able to do? And leaning it into those strengths or making sure that we then build a team that has those strengths. Absolutely. So now these, these these authors, they did an incredible job of studying some of the most successful companies, including Apple, you know, Amazon, uh, Starbucks, uh, IKEA, etc. I think they studied about 14 core companies and they did look at other companies that are doing well. And they came up with sort of five sort of um, ways in which these companies Achieve coherence hmm. um, And and uh, They kind of contrast this Against conventional wisdom really yes, yeah. And we're going to unpack each in ten Yeah I really like it so They call it the five acts of unconventional leadership Yeah um, And they compare the two So we're going to start with the first Conventional wisdom Yeah you yeah. know that focused on growth. Ah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so. I mean, you like what's wrong with that? I yeah, mean, like everybody grow must grow. Yeah. Like you know, let's let's like let's grow, grow, grow. Let's double our growth. Let's triple our growth. Growth, 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 growth. <laughs> ah, and our producer is hinting to what she kind of spoke to us at the beginning of this thing, <laughs> at the beginning of the show to say the whole point of all of this is that we must increase salaries. <laughs> So maybe then the strategy is to grow salaries. <laughs> okay. So we, we are, we, we dealt with that word. Um, hopefully, hopefully our producer is happy. No, 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 no. <laughs> so most companies will say, Hey, let's focus on growth. Mm. And it sounds reasonable. Yeah. However, uh, most companies, and we've seen just one too many, fall in unintended consequences of chasing multiple opportunities, um, most of which they have no right to win in. Mm. 
because they just want growth at all costs, growth, uh, chasing that other um, uh, sort of new trend. And the, oh, there's another growth there. Oh, I had a meeting yesterday with this person. Oh, there's an opportunity for us. And all of a sudden, you just keep chasing markets and products and opportunities where you have zero right yeah. to win. Yeah, that's yeah. the first unintended consequences of just going for growth without really thinking about coherency. Yeah, they call it the growth treadmill. Ah, like yeah. Doing a lot of work, but not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in this treadmill, you're just like, ooh, where's the next one? Where's the next <laughs> one? All right, so let's go there. Uh, and and um, really true success comes um, from going after after opportunities where you have the right to win. Mm. And the first question uh, to our listeners as you're listening to us today and like kind of sort of reflecting on even your pers- you personally, are you going after opportunities where you have the right to win? Mm. That's anchored in your own strength, in what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And it's like goes back to one of the episodes we spoke about. You know, there's just only a few areas where one is able to win. Um, there's, there's three to six perhaps at most capabilities that can distinguish you and give you the right to win. Mm. Which means therefore, when you're pursuing growth as an organization, think hard. Can, do we have the right to win? In this area Mm-mm. And I like how they expanded that as well Around committing to an identity ah, Within that So this yeah. is who we are This is what we do best And so this is how we're going to grow Absolutely So on the on these companies They, they do exactly that they, they commit to this identity Largely because You know Decision making There's this couple of factors that affect how we make decisions, mm-hmm. right? As individuals as well. One is sort of the utility approach, which is, okay, benefits, cost, okay, I, I will, uh, let's go with this, right? Let's mm-hmm. go with option A because the benefits outweigh the cost and there's value it can be created. We all understand that. And that's sort of the economic view of the world. Yeah. And we sort of assume that everybody kind of like goes through life rationally like that. But there's a second way in which we make decisions, which is identity-based decision-making. Mm. The idea there is that because I am a Christian, I will choose this path. Mm-hmm. Because I am a father or because I am this person, because, I, because I've got this identity, my choice then is informed by my identity. Mm. Or because it's what I value. This is what I value and this is my strength. This is who I am. Um, and, and with some of these companies that kind of just go at opportunities, uh, all over the place and get stuck in the, in the growth treadmill is they just go with the utility approach, yeah. which is, Oh, that looks like we can, we, we can have a high return on that investment, but they forget who they are mm-hmm. and kind of don't make decisions from an identity perspective. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Is there anything else before we move on to the second? Let's go to the second one, yeah. I think. So the second one is pursue functional excellence. Ah, oh, I mean, this sounds right. I mean, it's, <laughs> we all want to have that. We do, right? Functional. Like you're head of HR, you want, World class HR. Yeah. You're head of finance. You want to world class, um, <laughs> finance department. You are head of orbs. You got all of these benchmark metrics. Everything uh, you're saying sounds good, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's called conventional wisdom. So, and, and the authors are sort of going at this and saying, you don't necessarily, one is 
there's we spoke about the idea of of uh, trade offs, right? You cannot be world class at all your functions. Mm. Uh, if you do, then you're kind of pursuing this sort of this disparate. You know, everyone is going on their own lane, um, and hardly are you sort of converging and are coherent towards one thing. Mm-hmm. And they kind of say, you know, these benchmarks, the external ones, and the you know, I want to be world class there, world class there. They shouldn't be an end in themselves as a target. You want to sort of move towards how do all my functional areas come together to create a unique and distinctive capability. Mm. The thing that must win is how they weave together to be super distinctive. Yeah. Not necessarily, okay, this is super excellent. This is that. This is that. And then otherwise you end up with the working group thing we spoke about, which is, all right, HR is great. You know, I'm, I'm like watching my own stoop yeah. here. And then this, you know, you know, the customer service department is like, my call center is amazing. And this one is like, I'm amazing. But like the whole thing is not great yeah. altogether. Yeah, yeah. And they talk about translating the strategic into the everyday. So building and connecting the cross-functional capabilities to deliver the strategic intent. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that's so instead of just kind of saying uh, here's our strategy, every other person must be excellent in their own uh, lanes mm-hmm. is to say right, how do we bring all the tools, the systems, the the skills Together, and we're going to do some examples on this uh, mm-hmm. in some of the companies that they've uh, spoken about yeah. because then it might sound a little bit theoretical for now. But is the idea of how do we kind of define ourselves not by the functions but by the capabilities that we have collectively as a team and how that unfolds in the front line. Mm, mm. Okay, that sounds great. And then the third conventional wisdom is reorganize to drive change. Ah, this one. And I think consultants are to blame here. <laughs> Oof, this this conversation is uh, is hard, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, no, so largely when, when something happens, right, yeah. or, or what happens, we get advice and we reorganize and then we restructure. Mm. And, and some people are let go and then a year later, all of them are back. And they're hired even at a higher salary, right? <laughs> or we reorganize and they say, Oh, there we go. That's your strategy. <laughs> that's, that's it. Okay. We just, we, our producer is happy with that. <laughs> um, or we reorganize and then we send people away and then they, they still do the same job, but as contractors, right? Mm. And then, you know, they're charging like a super high contractor rate. Um, most of what organizations do, they kind of say they come back from, the, this amazing strategy session mm. One of the first few things they do They introduce a reorg mm-hmm. A restructuring yeah. And most of these are done in vain They reorganize today Next month, next year they reorganize again They reorganize again They reorganize again Sometimes that reorganize to go back to where they were Three mm-hmm. years ago And the key is the reorganizing to drive change That that is what is Yeah. So, so they want to reorganize so they can drive change mm. And most of that Ignores one of the Most the greatest asset they have in the organization, which is, I, I guess, I think we we should also find out from our from our listeners. If you're listening to us and um, and you perhaps have the, the the answer to this, it would be great for you to reach out on our social media pages and on on our WhatsApp line and just mm-hmm. kind of guess what. The greatest asset an organization has is. Mm-hmm. I wonder what you think it is. Our <laughs> producer saying it's, it's it's her. 
So Cliff Central is safe. Uh, the greatest asset is our producer. Yeah. Is it not the people? Is it not the values? The Keep going. Set? Keep going. The culture you Ah, that's the one. That's the one. Literally, the authors kind of boldly declare that your culture is your greatest asset. So when you're coming back from the strategy design and you don't understand and you haven't taken enough time to study your own culture, Mm. you will reorganize forever and you will kind of, you know, move pieces around. But you want to sort of say, how does this direction fit into the culture? How do we leverage our culture, our behaviors, all of these aspects to drive our intended, um, towards our intended direction? Mm. Literally latching on to your cultural benefits. Yeah, so celebrate and leveraging your cultural strengths. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. And then the fourth conventional wisdom. I like this. Yeah. This, this brings us back to week one. Yeah. And Manda was giving us the, the secret to the, the greatest question asked of how to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth uh, wisdom is go lean. I know that's not what it means. But <laughs> I think it's funny. <laughs> go exactly. lean. Yeah. What exactly. does that mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I, I'm like Lean Six Sigma, big fan and all of those things. And I've, I've done a lot of these lean workshops, etc. Mm. Um, but companies, they tend to go through this, these circles of going lean, of cutting costs, etc., etc. And sometimes, you know, they, they cut costs largely, you know, to preserve margin, uh, or hey, things are a little bit, Challenging now, we're not sure of what, what's, what's to come, especially now in, on the heels of, uh, of, of the pandemic, you know, this cost cutting has yeah. become just a, a tool that's pretty much everywhere. Let's cut costs. Let's cut costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and we celebrate our CFOs, you know, for cost savings initiatives and just slashing costs everywhere. But sometimes what, we do is we shave off our key capabilities um instead of sort of hey let's prune let's prune the the bad costs and double down investing on our capabilities and what will set us apart in the future yeah so pruning what doesn't matter to invest more on what does yeah and 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 this this comes because most organizations don't study themselves internally like we're always just like looking outside what and others are doing yeah, yeah, yeah and we haven't figured out what are truly our core capabilities mm-hmm. that we will do anything to literally cut everything else and double down investing on our capabilities because that is the vehicle that will help us move forward. Mm, mm. So when it comes to these things, not always looking out at what other people are doing, but rather really diving into what are the capabilities of our team, what are the capabilities of our organization, what should we invest in um, that will actually help us Execute. Absolutely, and and you you find now that these days you you see organizations kind of they cut a lot of costs like broad based cost cutting uh, to get the most cost savings they can find, and then two years later they're like, yeah, we're looking for these people, like we're looking for digital skills or data science skills, but you know, like instead of building that over time and sort of cutting everything else and doubling down on this uh, because it's going to be our core capability mm. and we arrive at some, some intersection we realize okay we haven't built any capability and now mm. we need 
all of this at scale. Um, and sometimes that's when we hire, uh, sometimes in a hurry and, and, and we don't do things properly. Mm, mm, that's really great. And then the fifth uh, conventional wisdom is become agile and resilient. Of course that sounds right. Yeah. What's wrong with that? That sounds great. Agility, resiliency. Ah, <laughs> so... The, the 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 challenge there is that you've got all right. Let's be agile. Let's respond to all kinds of markets opportunities. Then we keep shifting direction. We're like, oh, um, uh, let's very quickly latch on that opportunity. Let's very quickly. So we're literally coming back every second month with like, let's go there now because like, you know we're gonna be like. Agile, we're going to be quick. Let's respond to that. Let's respond to that. Instead of really kind of saying, Hey, here's our identity. Here's our core capabilities. Here's where we're going and just building towards that mm. instead of just all over the place responding to everything that shows up in the market. Yeah. I love that they say, you know, shifting direction and the misguided conviction that if you listen hard and act fast, you will survive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not always true. Yeah. Um, so what is the, you know, what is the opposite to that? You know, what are the authors telling us around that misconception? Literally to say you want to kind of shape your own future. There will always be all of these shiny objects that pop up left, mm-hmm. right and center. There will be market studies. There will be all the articles from Harvard Business Review and et cetera, et cetera. You want to sort of set back, shape your future. This is where we're going. Figure out what your capabilities should be To an extent even create your own demand Because the one thing you can set your clock on Is that there will be another Fed There will be another trendy thing Every other six months There will always be something Um, And these organizations that have done well Sustainably over the years They tend to really hone in And say here are our capabilities Here's our value proposition Here's the capabilities that Enable us to do that And we're just going to double down on that That opportunities look fantastic We'll let mm. our, our, our competitor go after that Because we know who we are And what we're investing in Yeah, yeah Yeah, someone once said to me Beware of the beautiful distractions Ooh Yeah And that word okay. beautiful is, Yeah, because they the, look great Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's, that's the biggest problem um, We tend to face mm. Maybe all of this You kind of say How do we I, I, I feel like, you know, some people might feel like it's a bit theoretical. Maybe yeah. we just, we pick one of the examples. Yeah. So who do you want to dive into? Because I like IKEA. But I you might, yeah, IKEA is a good I, one. I think IKEA is a good one. Yeah. Let's dive into them. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So we all know IKEA, founded in Sweden. Okay, maybe we don't know. <laughs> Let me say. No, no, go <laughs> the for world's it. leading home furnishing brand. You yeah. know a lot about IKEA, um, especially when you watch people overseas decorating their homes yes, yes, and yes. how much stuff that they have. So what have they done? So a great world leading um, home furnishing brand, mm-hmm. um, you know, committed to this value proposition that that they will offer low pri- they are low price player. Um, and experience provider mm. uh, to create everyday life at home for many people around the world, providing functional and stylish home finishing at very low prices uh, with high level of customer engagement, quality and sustainability. So, mm-hmm. so that's what they want to do. Mm. Now, now they then sort of say, here are four capabilities. 
that sort of come together to enable them to deliver on this year after year. Mm. And you will remember we're, we're talking about, hey, it's not just about functional excellence. It's how these things come together to kind of create four or five of these elements. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the first one is they had a deep understanding of how customers live at home. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of use that as their core capability to say, we will pull all our resources and we will, we will always be leading at understanding how uh, our customers live at home. And, and they, you know, that enables them to have to kind of design well, to produce, and kind of have different retail uh, practices. Mm, and then they had price-conscious and stylish product design. Yeah, that's the yeah. second core capability, yeah. um, which is about, um, you know, they integrate customer engagement, you know, their supply chain and their price consideration into the design process itself. Yeah. So, so check what's happening. The supply chain. There's price consideration. Yeah. There's customer engagement. Yes. Under normal organization, there will be the head of customer services. Mm-hmm. They're busy like chasing their own, yeah. <laughs> their own sort of like best practice things alone. Yeah. Um, there will be, you know, sort of the head of supply chain and mm-hmm. procurement. They are busy on their own there. There will be head of pricing and actuarial mm-hmm. perhaps on their own. But in, in these iconic organization, it's about how we bring customer engagement. Supply chain efficiencies and price consideration into the overall design, mm. and that's a core capability. Yeah, yeah. Then they had efficient, scalable, and sustainable operations uh-huh. they want to have, and that's allowed them to sort of have this huge scale around the world. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this speaks to their capability of integrating. That's another word, right? So supply chain, manufacturing, and and their unique retail practices. Mm. So instead of just kind of the head of retail looking uh, of the stores, looking at you know how my stores work, and the other one looking at some uh, at um, at the head of manufacturing kind of sort of running that largely on their own. It's about how all of these are integrated to really kind of give them this capability. Mm-hmm. And I like that in that they um, also then look at like how to give customers an experience, sort of a, a day out. So they had this customer focused retail design. Yeah. Um, in what they did. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the the system that they put in place. And so how does that how does that uh, live out in terms of what we're hearing about today, the strategy to execution gap? So so you you have a strategy to sort of you know be this sort of leading um home finishing brand providing low cost finishing sort of solutions to uh to everyday uh really um individuals so so that's sort of that's where we're going that's our value proposition that's our strategy so instead of then kind of coming down with like okay you do that you do that you do that is the next thing is what are our capabilities that allow us to do that mm-hmm. and for ikea these are the four mm. That's really great. That's really great. Um, is there anything else that we can pull out of what IKEA did that gives us, you know, an idea of how to apply this I, this concept of strategy execution in our everyday life? So if I go to work yeah. on Monday, how do I bring that into it? So, so when you go, you go to work on Monday, which you should go today after the show. I know. I, know. <laughs> I should. <laughs> Unless if, if like, you know, you've been given the day off to figure out the capabilities yes. of your, of Alpha International. <laughs> um, so, um, 
so so the idea is to start to have you and your colleagues ask yourself hey what is alpha sort of strategy where are we going what are the at most six core capabilities that enable for uh, that enable us to go there mm-hmm. and if you can work that out and wrestle that through you have the utmost chance of winning mm-hmm. in your chosen market that's so good that's so good so so maybe some people might not know ikea maybe they're like yeah i like furniture but not so much <laughs> maybe, maybe we do another example I, I guess that that might be a little bit more you uh, pick this time i picked ikea okay so yeah, my team knows that i'm like i i'm hooked on apple products <laughs> which is a problem uh, so, so i think i think we'll go with apple uh at uh, uh, this time and um and and because i think it's uh, most people will kind of uh, understand and perhaps relate to because i don't think we have ikea branches here in in south africa no we don't we don't yeah <laughs> And, and, um, I, I, you know, you probably don't need to do a lot of intro for, 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 for Apple. But really the value proposition is Apple combines, uh, the roles of innovators, aggregator and experience provider. Um, it's computers, tablets, smartphones, uh, form a, this hub of single system enabling consumers to easily manage media production, consumption, as well as communication. Mm-hmm. Um, really just creating these beautiful computers for the rest of us, if it were. Yeah. Um, and, and for them to do and win, um, in the way they do, they had to identify which they have four core capabilities yeah, yeah. that enable them to win. Yeah, it's really good. And so the first was consumer insight. And I know Apple is really good at this. Exactly. Yeah. They're incredibly good at literally spotting consumer needs. It's as if they know inherent consumer needs, like mm. those needs that we know of, but we don't even know. Don't even know. know. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that Henry Ford thing, you know. Like if I ask people what they want, they will ask if they will ask for a faster horse, right? <laughs> but like uh, Apple seems to just have this deep understanding of, of how people, you know, live, work, and play, mm. right? And that's a key capability that they have. Yeah. You know, you can try copy the shapes of their product, but if you don't have that customer insight that they have, you're not likely. Going to win against them, mm, and they're hyper focused on that. And the second one is intuitively accessible design. Yeah, and you're just like, but how did they come up with that? It's just like so intuitive and so simple, <laughs> and yet so beautiful, right? So across all their products, uh, retail store uh, experience, and um, their online environment, yeah. they they just have this core capability around design. Yeah. And so you use Apple Party like this is so easy yes, to navigate yes. to use. And you don't need those like long manuals mm. and and you walk into a store, it just feels intuitive where you should go, who you mm. should talk to, and it feels like it was just designed for you. Yeah, yeah. And then the third is technological integration. Ah. So this is like good and bad for some of us, right? Because like <laughs> you buy one component of and Apple. You need <laughs> <laughs> you have to have to get the 
next one. Uh, um, and they just have this ability of kind of work, bring things to work together in a seamless fashion on a, in this seamless whole, if it were. And that's their core capability. Yeah. I love the fact that I can uh, copy something on my phone and paste it onto my laptop. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> when I discovered that, I was like, that's crazy. And then they fought this breakthrough innovation of products, services, and software. Oh, and, and how they kind of bring this together in, in this packaged, uh, uh, an elegant and mm. artistry. And that's literally has carried them year after year. You, you, you have, you have some of these, Boxes that some of us, I still have some of them. Like, yeah, you keep them beautifully yeah, designed. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll just keep it here. I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to use it for, but like, you know, I, I, I like to have, I like to have some of that. Mm, mm. And so, what do we learn from that? From how Apple has done it? So, so what we learn really is, um, and and we kind of sort of see a way to bring this together, right? So, value proposition. Right. Are we clear about how we choose to create value in the marketplace? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the key question. If you haven't answered that, clearly, how do you create value? There's, there's like, yeah, yeah, we do this. We, we, we sell this products, but how uniquely, how do you do that? Um, that's the strategy question. And then the execution question that goes with that is to say, um, are we investing in the capabilities that really matter? To our value proposition mm, mm. I love what they, they quote here How in the late 1990s Steve Jobs uh, Reminded um, his team At the Macworld conference that their job Wasn't to compete with Microsoft He said we have to let go of this notion that for Apple to win Microsoft has to lose Yeah, Ma- Apple couldn't beat Microsoft at its own game Apple had to remember who Apple was Absolutely Love that. Love and, that. And, this, and, and, and most companies are obsessed With, with competing like mm. Oh those guys are doing that uh, Right let's also launch a thing like that mm. Oh, they're doing that and then let's do that. Mm. Um, which sometimes they just do that in vain, right? Because somehow you find that they don't have that capability and that's not part of their unique value proposition. Yeah, yeah. So these are two great examples that we've seen. We have a few minutes left. We do. <laughs> This time just seems to go so fast. It's so, what is the what are the the last one or two uh, sort of key ideas that we want to walk away with that will drive us to to pick up this book? Okay, so we spoke about the five X, um, and as leaders, you know, there's sort of some behaviors uh, that we sort of want to reinforce, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and because it's a uh, Wow, time just has, has flown, hey? Um, <laughs> this first idea around commit to an identity. Yeah. Right? And really kind of just pursuing healthy growth and stop chasing um, the market opportunities where you don't have the right to win. Mm, that's that, really good. And, and, and you wanna, you wanna sort of have this discipline, make this disciplined strategy and implementation choices, um, and, and, and sort of pay attention to, to the F effects, um, to build these, um, uh, distinctive capabilities that really allow you to deliver uniquely to your value proposition. Mm, mm, mm. And, and that was the, that, that first discipline. Mm. And then the question really, for our leaders listening Is Where you have chosen to play today Do you have the right To win mm-hmm. In that chosen market Sure Do you have the right to win In, in sort of 
in, in that chosen market. And if you don't, it's time to sort of consolidate and sort of move back and say, right, how, what's our capabilities? What's our strengths? What's our culture? What's unique about us? Let's go after the things that, that will get, that we have the right to win in. Mm, that's really good. Looking at everything we have and saying we should be winning in this area. Yeah. So let's focus. Let's on that. go there mm. rather than to say, oh, Simpio is going there. I'm going there. Bonnie is going there. I'm there too. And then Nobile is going there. Of course I'm going. Why am I not going there? Yeah. yeah. And then by the end of the year, you've gone nowhere. Because mm. you never had the, the capabilities that Simpiwe had and, and so, so the same capabilities that Nobile has and uh, the capabilities that Bonnie has. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that, we don't want that feeling. We don't want the feeling of getting to the end of the year and feeling like you've worked so hard. On yeah. The <laughs> We didn't get anywhere. <laughs> so the second one, which we spoke about on those five elements was translate the strategic into the everyday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the really the, for leaders, the idea is focus on what your company does better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than what it has, um, rather than what, uh, sorry, rather than on what it has, right? Mm. So what do we do better than anyone else? Mm. Apple, they do design better than anyone else, mm. right? The, yes, they've got the brand and you also have the brand, but want to figure out what do we do better than anyone else? Mm. And, and, um, and, and that, that will be the key for you to close the strategy and execution gap. Mm-mm. And the next one, which you said is the, 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 the key thing that we all have, our most valuable resource. So, which is, uh, put your culture to work, mm. right? You know, are you, I, I, so often you get asked, Hey, how do you, you know, come help us change our culture? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so we've got this strategy and we want to go there. Let's come do a culture work and sort of see how we change the culture towards the strategy. Mm. Um, and and often that 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 request is somehow misguided to kind of think that you can just like do like a six weeks intervention and the culture has changed right mm-hmm. and because culture is built over time the decisions the behaviors the unspoken rules in the organization mm-hmm. so what you want to do instead is you want to kind of say what is this that we do that drives emotional commitment for us collective accountability for us therefore this is what we're going to do. Mm. Um, and this is how our strategy is going to, is going to, um, it's going to leave. So, so, so for leaders, three things really is to kind of say, champion your culture to drive emotional commitment to your goal. Foster that mutual accountability amongst sort of functions and sort of business units. Mm. And then sort of, Learn and to teach and sort of champion collective mastery, uh, to advance growth. Mm-hmm. This collective mastery, which says we are great at design, right? And it's like everyone here is kind of galvanized around the idea of design. Mm-hmm. That's really good. And then whip through the last. <laughs> <laughs> I will whip through the last there. So cut the, the fourth one is instead of just cutting cost. Yeah. Think about how you Kind of sort of chuck out the cost that doesn't really align to your growth ambitions, mm. right? Don't just cut cro- uh, costs. 
to increase margin, yeah. cut costs so you can grow. Yeah. Uh, so you can actually double down on the things that will make you unique, the, the things that will enable your, your value proposition really, um, uh, to come to life. I love it. It's cut costs to shape your future. Cut costs <laughs> to shape your future. So think of every cost, uh, that, that every spend in the organization as an investment. Mm. And if it doesn't feel like an investment, that's the cost you cut. Right? It's not just like, right, people, uh, the biggest bill in our income statements. Therefore, you know, if we cut 20% of our, pe- oh, uh, the, con- the producer like doesn't that. like the idea. <laughs> exactly. We're against this idea. Um, so most organizations, they kind of say, Hey, here's, here's my income statement. Here's the revenue that comes in and here's the cost and like your people like contribute, I don't know, 60% of the overall cost. You know, potentially if 20, if we, you know, we reduce that cost by 20%, you know, we win, right? Um, and that's the wrong way to do it. Mm. You almost want to think about every spend as an investment and therefore don't just cut just because here we get the biggest, mm, um, saving. the biggest saving mm-hmm. ra- rather. Mm-hmm. And the last one is shape your future. Yep. Um, you you are a leader of this organization rather than sort of chasing every shiny object and you know think about uh investing in developing those capabilities and developing leaders really also in your organization and that that will build towards the future mm. instead of just chasing this and that and that in in pursuit of being agile mm. and i love that because a lot of these can be hard to work through and so the last thing is to be bold and unafraid be bold and be unafraid and pursue make that commitment to say this is the direction we're going mm. and you know why people sometimes don't have this boldness and 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 that and when you don't have that boldness you've got this fear that if i don't make it you know, I'll be judged for like picking a direction. Mm. So therefore, I'll kind of do all these many things. So if I fail, no one can say I didn't try, right? Mm. So like, you know, I went low cost, I went to high value, I like, I pursued, I did some, I launched an app and then mm. I like, you know, like I, I send my people to Harvard and so, and, <laughs> so, so, and then I cut cost as well. So it feels like, hey, this guy's doing, a, I'm doing yeah. a lot. So we come to the end of the year. And I didn't make my numbers, but then I, at least I can show all the things I delivered mm. or I did, right? And, and that's, that's the easy way out. Mm. So think about who you really want to be or who you are, the direction you want to go, double down on investing on your core capabilities and just stick it through all the way to the very end. Mm. Yeah, a lot of insights from strategy that works, how winning companies close the strategy to execution gap. Lovely, lovely. So so we hope and uh, we wish you well in closing that strategy and execution gap. Really my 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 passion and my 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 cry and if it were is to see less and less strategy documents languish in those top drawers mm. and i you know it, it, it is it, i it's my wish to sort of see those strategy strategies and and the amount of investment that goes into that i want to see more of those strategies translate into what the company does every day so I hope you learned something. I hope there's some, some elements you can pick in there to close that strategy and execution gap. 
But until then, go out there and super lead. Cliffcentral.com.